Hi, I'm Ben Finelli. Welcome to Club 63. And I'm Jordan DeCourt. I think we're here for a little chat today about kind of the alumni mentorship program that we're both super excited to, to be a part of. I think it's the first program in the CHL that's kind of like this. Sounds that way. I know there were a couple other programs in the NHL. Alumni have come back to NHL teams and mm -hmm. um, some with their own individual stories of trial and tribulations that they thought, you know, there could be more support in the, in the space for people, their issues outside of sport, I guess, yeah. to have a, someone that they could go to that isn't, you know, that's unbiased and is a safe person to go to, to talk about things. And uh, I thought that was great. I thought it was just a matter of time before not only other NHL teams started doing that, which I know the Leafs are doing something similar as mm -hmm. well, um, but to the OHL, which is maybe even more important at that age. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's like, I remember we, we were both drafted, feels like ages ago now, but uh, like 16 years old, going to a new city, you don't really know anybody, you're alone for the first time, and it's it's tough. I don't know like how, how you kind of felt those first like few days, but I know that like I was kind of like a little bit overwhelmed with it all. It's like, you have to be here for practice at this time. Don't be later, there's consequences. <laughs> Um, and made sure that like you show up prepared every day to work. And it was a big adjustment from minor hockey where my mom's making me like French toast before my Sunday afternoon games that I'm driving to with my dad, right? Yeah. It, was, it was a big adjustment for me. I don't know, like what were the first few days kind of like with you? Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I think it's this self-induced pressure of, okay, here's the opportunity. And you, for me when I was 16, right or wrong, but this is where my mind was, it was, it was sort of, okay, the next step is going to be professional hockey. So if, if you don't screw this up kind of thing, right. which is obviously that negative voice in my head. Uh, but the, the interesting thing is you're also surrounded by other players in, with a similar mindset that are thinking the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you look around the room and you see 23 other somewhat nervous individuals. Uh, I would almost say a little bit vulnerable thinking you know, you, we have one thing we want, and if this doesn't work out, we're, we're unsure of where else we're going to go. <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, yeah, not everyone is that well-rounded young individual coming into the league yeah. at 16, which obviously there are some. Uh, but for me, it was, it was this was everything, and I looked around, and I saw very similar people to myself. So when you think about reaching out for support in any way, and I don't just mean behavioral health, but with anything, you almost don't want to ask questions. Everyone's focused on their own, you know, being successful um, and I think I don't think that's anyone's fault. I, I really don't. I know mm -hmm. we like to put uh, try and find a cause. I think it's very much the pressure that we is self-induced. It's more societal, and I'm just happy we can try and flip the script a little bit and be that voice that that some players might need. Yeah, I know. Like like you said, it's like like that time in the dressing room when it's just kind of quiet. Everyone's sitting there and like nobody's really gonna say anything if they're feeling nervous or anything like that. Like, it's kind of all just like implied at this point. Yeah. Um, I remember that kind of exact situation. But yeah, no, I think it's great that like, we can kind of provide an outlet for kids to maybe say something, talk with somebody if they need, if they need to. Um, I think a lot of the time you kind of don't realize that you need to until it's like, you're far gone. I know like, I didn't kind of realize I needed to talk with somebody or how valuable it could have been until I was like done playing and at that point, it's too late, right? It didn't really provide me any help to kind of reach that goal of playing professional hockey. Um, I think that we have a really like, great opportunity to kind of provide that help to people. And just like, I know we both talked about it, it's like nice and simple, just like 
we're here, anything wrong, just want to chat, how's school, how's the family, how mm-hmm. are your billets, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's just super exciting to be able to provide a program like that for um, such a great organization too, who I think we both really like admire what they did for us kind of growing up and making us who we are. Totally. I think it's the, the one part I love and, and even in my own personal work that I do mm-hmm. in, in a similar conversation is that as much as we always approach the conversation from a a place of lesser than as if it's an answer to like it's a response to an issue that's mm-hmm. happened I'm, I'm already anxious or i'm already depressed and so we have so it becomes this ambiguous mental health conversation all the time but i think what people forget is it's to me it's a performance conversation you know mm-hmm. when i if i go back to think when i was 16 and i and i had this kind of support whether it's due to my own journey through hockey or not, I had this and I, I want to share this with other people. But if I felt better, if I had was experiencing more positive mental health, mm-hmm. it wasn't to pull me out of a deep, deep anxiety or a deep depression. It would have actually helped me perform better. Yes. And so that's part of the discussion too. You know, it's not always the on ice practice. It's not always the video and the skill work. Um, but there's also just a, a sense of when you can go out and play in front of the how lucky we are here to play in front of 7,500 people. If you can do that without worry and uh, and maybe a decreased <laughs> bit of anxiousness or 100%. decreased worry if that puck's going to bounce off your stick, which is, I think, again, another natural response, um, it becomes a performance conversation just like that. It's not always this mental health conversation. And I hope when we get to know these guys here that they, they know that's our approach too. Mm-hmm. This isn't just the conversation of pulling people out of a deep depression. This is, no. let's be better in all parts of our life because we're experiencing yeah. positive mental health. It's like the, the Rangers are making an investment in their players by allowing us to kind of help them with their overall well-being, right? It's kind of like just what can we do to help you with what you need? And that doesn't need necessarily need to be like a bad thing. It's just like, like, do you like, is there anything wrong? Like, let's do this, help you out, better on the ice team's better everything's a little bit better everyone's just a little bit happier i know like when we played together we were not a good team i think we were i think we finished second last that year um i think guelph that year scored like 80 goals on me or something like to my leadership ability this is awesome please tell us more tell us more (laughs) no it was great leader good group of guys really young guys right young guys that's what they said all season we have lots of potential (laughs) a lot of young guys um but like a season like that obviously it's tough but when you when you're winning and having success it's so much more fun it's such a more positive experience and you had that with some of the teams you played on before where you guys were really good teams and i didn't really have that in my ohl career but i know that when we did go on winning streets and stuff like that it's just a more fun and a better experience all around i think like when we're tying in like the kind of mental health to performance which you you talk about in your work all the time it's like it all kind of contributes in this big picture right if you have success and you feel good about yourself you're going to have a better time. You're going to feel better about yourself, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it, everything you just said brings up stuff like you said that I that I do talk about. Mm-hmm. And I always try and reference everything in this conversation to the hero's philosophy or hero's psychology. And it makes me think how much in that space, again, this is to me very self-induced and, and societal in a, in a way that we're focused on that long-term goal. And this isn't just sport. Everyone, I, the next job and the next car and the next house yeah. and the next boat and so on and so forth. But how much better you would be as a hockey player if you were able to just be in that one game. You weren't worried about how well you were playing that game so that you could get drafted or weren't worried about how well you were playing so you could sign that contract. Yeah. You were just worried about how well you're going to play that next shift. 
which obviously is easier said than done. Yeah, it's almost impossible. Impossible to yeah. actually pull off if if this conversation isn't being had. Yes. Right? It's impossible if this is never talked about and let's just keep our nose to the grindstone. But you take some time to come up for air and, and work on that approach to let's just be the best we can be at this in this practice today as a team, as individuals, mm -hmm. and bring that every day, I think is a healthy approach to to performance. And again, another thing that I hope we bring into the locker room. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We talked about like working smarter as opposed to working harder. So when like when you talk about that, it's like very specific, very tangible things that we can kind of do and we can work towards. That doesn't necessarily mean like we just got to work harder. We got to do more do this. I always got so frustrated when I played when like I let in a goal and it's like, like I can't try any harder to save this goal. Like I tried my, I tried my best to yeah. save this, to save the shot. It didn't happen many times, but, but it's all about just working, working smart. And I really like that kind of idea and that approach where, um, you can focus on such small, small things, but like it really like amalgamates together and kind of gets the snowball rolling where now we have a lot more success. We feel comfortable. We feel better about ourselves and we really are like in the moment. I think that's so important. If we can, if we can help, help these guys stay in the moment and really like enjoy what what's going on i know looking back on it it's like i wish i took some time when i was playing to kind of be like wow like there's 7500 people here on a <laughs> yeah. friday night and like i'm playing like how cool is that mm -hmm. so uh i think that that's something that like we can also kind of help with and and just kind of create a better environment for everybody. where i think it ties into as well which you just sparked this again this is awesome I, I remember so many players and still see this today um, that don't know what they need to do if they want to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. If they want to be an NHL player, it's like, okay, do I need, what kind of player do I need to be? What do I need to be good at? If yeah. I pick three things, what should I be the best at? And I think just be good at everything isn't the best answer. And we know that when GMs are looking for players, they're not looking for someone that can do everything. They're looking for a player that can score and a player that can stop pucks and a right. player that... And so when you do have that clear mind, you can think, okay, what are the, just the three things that I need to do if I want to be the best for our team and if I also want to be the best for myself to get to the next level to use hockey as a, a tool for, for whatever. Um, so I think, I think that's a big part of the conversation when you talk about being present to be in the moment. Again, it, it, let's move it away from just the mental health conversation, talk about performance. Sure. Like that's, I learned that at the end of my career from, from, I mean, Troy Smith, Mike Van Ryan, it was, it was kind of, let's simplify this whole thing. What are the three things you need to do to help us win? And if we were winning and you're playing well, it's going to be good for everyone. Yeah. That took a, that took a non-hockey conversation. Right. That took a real life conversation, a human conversation. And again, I, it's again, steering it away from that just strictly victim point of view. And let's talk performance. Yeah. I think that that's like so important too. Like it's, it was not this hockey revelation that like changed you or helped you do it right i mean i think in in the hockey world often we're we're so like centered on the the x's and o's the performance it's, it's hockey 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 when i think that the majority of the time everybody who's playing knows exactly like what like, they know what they have to do per se um and like ha but having those human connections with with coaches, with GMs, with with teammates, like those are so important for performance too. And I'm sure you you talk about that when when you talk with people. It's like 
having those relationships with people who who can guide you and help you, who you can chat with, who can push you to to where you need to get to, like that's so important. And and I I know that Kitchener does a great job with uh with their coaching staff. At least when I play, I haven't I don't know the coaching staff too well now. But I know, like you said, Troy Troy was awesome for me. He always went to bat for me, and I always felt comfortable knowing that like like no matter the ups and downs, like he likes me as a person and he appreciates me and he knows that I work hard and. For me, like when I'm going through those tough times, it was easy to remind myself like, okay, this person goes to bat for me. They believe in me. I can believe in myself now a little bit easier. And I think that that's something that is super important in hockey. And I think that it kind of gets lost in translation in minor hockey a little bit where it's so much X's and O's and, and so, much, so much pressure. I mean, I, I've been doing uh, some coaching in minor hockey and some of it's just crazy. Like the amount of pressure that these kids are under, like they're 13, 14, 15 years old and they're expected to do so much and hockey, hockey, hockey. It's like, you, you gotta let them breathe, right? I mean, when I when I was that age, I was hockey, hockey all the time. And like, by the time I was 19 and out of the OHL, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like I've had enough, I've had enough yeah. hockey for a while um i don't know what you think it's well it's what i've noticed in seeing the youth hockey all over the province is there we're teaching things to to young kids that aren't ready to be taught too mm -hmm. so it, it's not fun anymore now it's become a it's become a job it's become work right so they show up to the rink these young kids and i'm talking five six seven eight nine yeah. We're teaching them which edge and which cross over this way and have your chest here and have your arms here and have your head here and have and so now they've shown up to the rink to do something fun and it's become a job at, at five, six, seven. I've seen it. Yeah. And so you do see, you, even when I've tried to run skates like this, I'm not perfect. I've, I've just learned this from, from experience. Yeah. No wonder half of them aren't listening because it's not that interesting. It's not that exciting. No, it's not fun. And they, yeah, and they can't, they also can't even, yes, there's the, the outliers, but most of them aren't coordinated enough or have enough control of their body at that young age even to do it. So. We're teaching them things they're not quite ready for. Like if I got into piano, don't throw a sheet of Mozart in front of me and no. expect me to play because, and that's kind of what we're doing. And so the, the places that have done the cross ice three on three, small games, there's pucks in their feet. There's, they're falling, they're getting up, they're moving the puck with their hands. They're moving the puck with their feet. They're yeah. just actually feeling their body and, and learning. Goals, having fun. Yeah. Like, and then, and then you look at the players that have, I always come back to Ryan Murphy because he's, he, his, when he was 16 the stuff he did and, and i know i'm not as involved in the hockey world now but the stuff that he did was just i don't know if anyone will ever do that again at 16. it was mm -hmm. i couldn't believe my eyes and you look at the way he played and what he did and he was able to play stress-free because he was having so much fun and he was creating and i'm not saying everyone has to be a player like ryan murphy to enjoy the game and, and be successful but there's something to be said about there's definitely that. a benefit mm -hmm. to having that kind of like looseness and that like mindset of like it's a game because i know like i think we talked about this a couple months ago it's like when you make a mistake you get so down on yourself sometimes it's like that attitude of like it's a game we're having fun it's like you can shake things off a lot easier and yeah. you go out there and you can make that pass across the middle again <laughs> try to get another breakaway pass um but there's definitely something to be said about like enjoying it and having mm -hmm. fun yeah, the, so the one where my mind goes, and I learned this from thinking about, this was a few years back when the whole fighting thing came mm -hmm. up and they decided to, whatever, it's, it's kind of gotten out of the game a little bit. Yeah, especially at the junior level. Ju exactly, yeah. and, I, and I was just thinking of, you know, the, I was thinking of the new, the generation coming in, and I think there's some, 
um, older generations that aren't happy with this approach and so be it they they only know what they know and I, I get it they have a different view sure. of things but what it, this made me think was you know these future generations won't for those that were expected to fight or felt that they needed to or were willing to do it to get to the next level the risk they were taking on was quite immense like it's a pretty you you really are risking a lot you know even blocking shots like it's mm -hmm. a pretty crazy game at times and people are willing to take on this risk so that was that's where the thought began and then it, and then i thought when we think about leadership and coaching and what you're and how you're coached and what you're expected to do in the in the new age and again what i've learned through through sport and through psychology is you you want to do those difficult things block shots fight whatever it is you know practice six days a week whatever that difficult mm -hmm. thing is for someone like we had as coaches like you hear these stories about these you know very utilitarian authoritarian coaches yeah. Again, some, you know, that may work for some, but generally speaking, you want to go do those difficult things for someone that you, for lack of a better term, love and enjoy yeah. and, and want to do that for you want to make that coach proud. And if that, and if that coach is or leader, whoever sport or not is it's a constant whip and it's right or wrong, right or wrong. It's, it's hard to go out and do those difficult it, things it for someone. It wears on you. It yeah. wears on you over time, right? If, you, if you're not doing it because you want to do it, it's not going to be like the longevity. We see in the NHL, right? There's, there's the tough coaches. Like how long do they last in certain teams, right? They have a timer. They, they only last a certain amount of time. Then you see a guy like, like Joel Quenville, who's like known as like a player's coach. It's like he lasts, he was in Chicago for how long? Because all the guys love him. He's a ton of fun. And they're all like, yeah, Joel, I'll go blot that shot for you. Like, we'll go to the watch horse racing after and we'll have a good time kind of thing, right? So yeah. I, I think it's so... Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of... When you said that timer, that's, a, that's an interesting point because you have a timer where you can, you can force yourself to do things for so long. Mm -hmm. so you have a room of 23, 26 players mm -hmm. and you have a leader that you, are, you feel like you have to force yourself to do things or you have a leader that approaches things in a way where you want to do it for them. So it's a completely different way to be motivated. It's a different it's motivation. A, right? It is. It's like yeah. intrinsic versus yeah. extrinsic, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you, you go on both sides, right? Outwardly, you want to fulfill the coach's um, asks, but then at the same time, it may, intrinsically, it makes you feel so good yeah. to be able to do that for someone else. And, and I think that's, it's to me, very simple. Again, I know there's generations of individuals that have different opinions, of course, and I it's a great conversation to have. I just think of my experience when I look back at the players I played with that were willing to do, I mean, yeah, I blocked shots, but I didn't always put myself in positions that others did and then would fight and, and the risk involved. It's, we had a, we had a community and culture in a, that room during my five years that they were willing to do anything. And mm -hmm. I know that sparks even another conversation where people are like, at what point do we stop all this right. risk? And I, I get that too, but more on the leadership front, it's, it's pretty powerful to be, to want to do things for someone and, and and the leadership point of view carry yourself in a way that you're able to um have a group of people that want to do things for you because mm -hmm. they they love you and enjoy you that much i think that's that's important that's one of the biggest things i learned from from being with the rangers you know to have coaches like i mean mike mckenzie who's still there now mm -hmm. and steve spot and paul fixer troy smith mike van ryan the list goes on um, dan liebold even and right from the Absolutely. training point of view is if dan if I was in across the country and Danny said, Hey, I need you to come pick me up. I'm 10 hours away. Right. I'm getting in my car and, and going to pick Danny up. Absolutely. Same with the rest of the coaches and players that I had. 
I don't know if that's rare. I was never traded. I don't know other organizations, but that was definitely uh, one of the greatest parts. I think it is, it is rare. Speaking of somebody who played on different organizations and with, with different styles. And I mean, I, we talked about the, the top down like management style here is, I mean, Kitcher's a community, community owned team. They have a board of governors, right? They have, they've always had great leadership. It's a pillar of the kind of Kitchener Waterloo area. The Rangers are, the odd is. Um, they invest a lot of money into us. They, they treat us really well. Um, and I think there's a certain aspect of they expect that we kind of represent the Rangers in a good way. And I think that um, the reason that that works and that like people do represent the Rangers in such a positive light, I think the majority of alumni would say that um, it was one of their better experiences if they played on multiple teams is because it, it works because it's real, right? It's top down. It's the people in charge um, don't just kind of talk the talk. They walk the walk too. They, they treat you with respect, um, upfront people from, from the top of the organization to the bottom, right? It, it's, it, it really, they really do kind of, um, act how they preach and, and things like that. And I really appreciated that kind of reflecting on my whole experience playing. Um, it, it really did mean a lot to me kind of reflect and be like, okay, like, like, yes, I was upset how I was, how I was traded kind of thing. And, and, um, for a little bit, I, w I was, I was a little bit mad kind of, right. I didn't, I wasn't expected to get, expecting to get traded kind of blindsided. Um, but everybody treated me with respect throughout the whole period. Um, and that meant a lot to me as a individual kind of trying to navigate that post hockey life. And I don't, we can kind of get into that a little bit. Like what, like how was your transition into your post hockey life? Yeah, it was, I mean, I knew with 20 games left that it was, it was going to be my last, I was going to give up the, the ideal or the hope or the dream of, of playing professional mm -hmm. hockey. I just little for a bunch of different reasons. I, I was looking at players I played with that had over a hundred points with or against, you could say over a hundred points, multiple years in a row. And I'm looking at my stats. I'm looking at my, what I'd went gone through with my injury mm -hmm. thinking, okay, what are the odds here? If I want to continue to roll the dice and came to terms with the fact that things were, were coming to an end. One of the two most important conversations were, again, I know I've talked about them a lot, but Mike Van Ryan and Troy Smith, two of my coaches in my final year, and approached them both with about, I think, 20 games left, maybe 16, and just said, I think I'm, I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. And Troy Smith was extremely respectful and supportive of the decision. I remember him saying, I wish you would, I wish you would keep playing so you'd make me look good. I think you'd be good in pro, because uh, he was one of the individuals that brought me in when I was 16. Mm -hmm. And, and went to bat for me to be a part of this team. So that was cool to hear that he still believed in me, but also understood my opinion. Respecting and, and, and respected your decision. Yeah. I think that that's so important. To yeah, me. like totally, totally. They gave you the autonomy in that situation. Didn't yeah. try to pressure you. It wasn't, yeah, it was totally, that conversation was him being more of a sponge and, and accepting mm -hmm. what I was saying. And, and again, respecting, which is an important word there. And then I go across the hall, I think right after, honestly, across the hall to Van Ryan's office, and he told me a story because I, I was honest with him, just like I was with Troy. I was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know exactly where life's going to go. I'm still kind of scared of this whole thing. And, mm -hmm. and he said, you know what, Fennels, give it four years. You are going to look back at yourself and think, 
you were ridiculous for putting this much weight on hockey and and the hockey was everything and it took it, it was interesting because it took someone that had been there who left the game earlier than they wanted to mm-hmm. uh, that was an all-star to say that and at that point i was like all right i can do yeah. this i can handle this and, and that was a huge conversation I enjoyed my last obviously still played them hard and, and as i should for this team uh, last 15 to 20 games mm-hmm. and then there were the new journey began, but it was like you, we talked about before to have that control of the situation is completely different than when things end abruptly and you don't, yeah. and you don't have at least mu- any say at all. That's, that's way different. Yeah. That was kind of my situation, right? I got, got traded from here. I think it was after the first weekend, I think we played Owen Sound Wednesday and then we played game Friday. I got traded on the Monday um, to Barry. I was there. It was bad. I was playing terribly. Um, so they released me. I think it was the beginning of December. And I just remember like the the next like month up until Christmas is just this like blur in my mind about kind of this this fog I was in. Um, like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to contribute to society? How am I going to contribute to my family? Um, like I had lots of people asking me, oh, where are you going to play Nets, this, that? And I'm kind of like, do I even want to play? Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like by the end, like I wasn't really having fun. Like we talked about earlier, like it had kind of gone from, from the game. It was, it, for me, it was just so much pressure um, because I'd always been told like, you have so much potential. I was on, I played for Team Ontario in the under 17s. It was kind of like, we'll just put your game together. We'll do this, do that. Like you can still make it. Um, but I kind of knew First off, like I knew I didn't really work hard enough to kind of play in the NHL after seeing around, being around certain guys who do, kind of like you said, like with the people who had the the hundred point seasons, it's like, okay, these guys are really, really good. Um, and I'm okay. Like I can play in the league, kind of. Um, I'll get the job done, I'll I'll be fine, but I, I'm not really taking that next step. When I went to some NHL camps, I saw that firsthand, like, oh wow, like this is a little bit quicker. Um but yeah, that, that, that month after was, was a really tough time to kind of reflect on the journey. Um, I always like wished I was like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. And it really took me till probably, so the next September I went to university, probably my second year of university before I was kind of at peace with how everything had ended. Um, kind of was able to reflect on the experience, reflect on how like what an interesting journey playing junior hockey is i mean when we think about it you're playing hockey in front of all these people like you're signing autographs it's like i'm 16 years old like just a little dweeb like 170 pounds just signing autographs for kids and they're like so happy you're making their day and like what what a cool experience it was um and so when i was able to reflect on that and kind of think of it as 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 a life experience instead of as a failure to kind of get to that end goal which we all had to play in the nhl I was able to kind of work my way through that. And I think eventually came out on the better side and able to kind of use what I learned, which I didn't really know at the time I was learning, but use those lessons to kind of move forward and start my company and start kind of getting um, more. And eventually I just obviously get more involved in the hockey community again, which we're both kind of back in, which I think is exciting for both of us too. Yeah. Not to dive too far into the psychological side sure. to it, but it's so in the work you do and what I try to do in the in the sporting space, if it's if it's this discussion of the transition, you know, you go from a place of really 
even though you're signing those autographs and you you're doing all these great things in the hockey world, I would hypothesize that you are a bit vulnerable though, because you've put so many eggs in that basket. Yeah. You you get out of the bubble or the silo of the hockey world, and it's like, who in a, in a boardroom? Who am I? Like, who what am do I, I now? say? Yeah, who am I now? What am I good at? What do I enjoy? I'm just so, the guy who played hockey. Yeah. Like how many? Like how long after you play did you show up to like class or you're in a group project? It's like. Oh yeah, Ben Finelli played on the Rangers, right? It's yeah, like it's yeah. like I, it's like every every family event. It's like oh, so where are you playing now? Like oh, yeah. how was the? It's like I don't want to necessarily be known as the hockey guy. It's like I'm in business yeah. school. Like I would like just to be like Jordan as opposed yeah. to Jordan the hockey player. And you, it's interesting because you're safe. I would I would use the word safe, I guess, in the hockey world. Yeah, because you're the, yeah, I'm Ben the hockey player. But then you get outside of that that space or that world, and you're like oh shit, like mm. what's going on and who am I? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I think in what you just said is all of a sudden you go from that feeling of vulnerability outside of the hockey world to finding a purpose and, and new responsibility too. Mm-hmm. new responsibility that's leading towards something greater. So now you take on this responsibility of working on your business, that mm-hmm. side of your life and how that's going to lead to something now, not the NHL, but it's going to lead to something. And I think that's the that to me, and I could be wrong, and this is my own limited experience and, and education through psychology, is that you leave this game vulnerable as much as people may not want to admit it, and then you you lack uh, a responsibility for something bigger than yourself. Before we were we were in the hockey world, we were comfortable. Everything we did was leading to something bigger than mm-hmm. ourselves, which was becoming a professional hockey player. That's pretty black and white. Of I wake up every day and I do everything I can to try and get to the NHL. Pretty easy to stay somewhat you know on the on a path or feeling like it yeah people are telling you where to go what to do um and then it's kind of just like it's like gone yeah right right away and it's like okay what do i do now it's like okay i have to apply to university like i'm 20 years old now that process looks a little bit different like now i have to figure that out like this is now i'm in school or i'm working um i mean i hadn't i worked uh at a place in downtown toronto after my first year university and it's like I never worked in an office before and I'm 20 years old Done my first university. It's kind of like, okay, like how does this kind of like a team environment? Like what can I take from playing hockey into this to kind of uh, amalgamate into this office culture? And, and what does this culture look like? Because one of the, like in an office, the, the culture is very different than in a hockey room, right? I mean, like you're, you're with these people all the time. You can talk to anybody in, in the hockey room, in an office, like you have like uh, a manager, a boss, the boss's boss. And it's like, okay, I need something done. I have to go through this whole chain as opposed to like, I can just like go walk into Mac's office and be like, hey, like I have this issue. So it, it's kind of uh, managing those things. And uh, I remember when I had like my first round of job interviews, they, uh, they all these, it was just for like entry level summer internship jobs. And they always asked me like, um, like how can you handle like like pressure and deadlines? And it's like, like I let in like many goals in front of ten thousand people in London, and every time I made a mistake, a red light goes off, and everybody like cheers or boos or something. It's like that pressure is more than like my like bookkeeping internship pressure. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, I I can handle the pressure kind of thing. I think those are the kind of lessons you can learn and take um, from this this. I think crazy experience that it is playing junior hockey. So I think it's not, it's not a normal 
like late teenager lifestyle. It's very different. Um, it comes with its own pros and cons. Um, and like being able to manage those expectations with yourself as well as with the experience, um, I think just it provides kind of better outlet for you when you kind of transition to that next part of your life. It brings up a, a concept to me that is always in the hockey world is NCAA or the OHL. Mm -hmm. And you're leveraging now all the experiences you had. And the one thing I always look at is there's been players that went the NCAA route and education was not a focus at all. And that's always the, the knack is right. NCAA is all about school and not about hockey and the OHL is all right. Right. Vice versa. So I've, I've seen both. I've played with guys here in Kitchener that are now medical doctors. So, mm -hmm. and a good buddy of mine, Nathan Charletti, who's the captain in Sarnia and Owen Sound doing a double degree uh, MD, PhD. And all. so it's like, you can't, and he was in the OHL. So that to me, the approach that we need to work on is, is exactly what you said is leverage everything you can from hockey to where you where you're going it doesn't matter if you go NCAA doesn't matter if you don't even play OHL or, mm -hmm. or NCAA um, leverage everything you can is is I think tying it into the hero philosophy is you deciding to aim up and make the best you can with what you have and I think that's that should be talked about more than well what's the end goal right how am I going to leverage the OHL versus the NCAA and let's make the decision that way no it's Wherever I pick, I'm going to try and make the best decision. But regardless, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to leverage everything. The, what brought up this approach to it was a coach in town, Greg Bignall, who I think was involved in this organization a while back. Mm -hmm. He's involved in the hockey world, coaches junior hockey still. And he said to me when he was uh, playing professional hockey, he was expected to fight and do things that he didn't want to. And he got to a point where he was bringing himself to the rink and he said he was, he was almost dragging himself to the rink because he didn't want to be there. And he said, and I'll never forget it, he said, that's when I realized hockey is a tool or a medium you use to get something out of it. No matter what level you're at, mm -hmm. whether you're five or you're 35 and you're making five million a year, he said, it doesn't matter, you're using hockey as a tool or as a medium to get something out of it. And I thought, what a healthy approach. So yeah. he said, you, maybe it's friendships, maybe it's money, maybe it's a scholarship. Maybe it's challenge, trial and tribulation. You're getting something out of it, but you're, the key in it is you're in control. Mm -hmm. You're using, you're deciding to use the game. You're deciding to go yeah. to the rink, take on the risks and, and leverage this. He said, as soon as you feel like, which I think we both did towards the end yeah. of our careers is, okay, I'm not really jumping into the car to head to the rink anymore, which happens in life. And, and hockey's not, I think it's often something we choose to do. It's not something we have to do. And I know there's, there's jobs where you have to do it. I get that. But in pertaining to sport, it gets to a point where you have to check your ego and say, who's in control here, right? Am I still jumping into my skates and just loving every minute of it? Or am I now push, pulling, myself, uh, pulling myself through the mud to, to get this yeah. done? And I think that he, when he said that to me, I thought, I love that approach because it's just such a check to the ego, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many, and I know personally guys that I love uh, that are, pulling themselves through the mud to keep playing because they feel like they have nothing else. And it's unfortunate. And that's why these conversations are so important uh, because that's not a healthy place to be. No, right? and it's not any, like, long-term, it's not It's not good, right? I mean, like, if, if you lose your autonomy in making these decisions and kind of furthering yourself and you become, like, like, a slave to the game, it's... It's tough and it's tough to get out of that too. If you think that this is all I have, right? You are in that like 
like deep hole we talked about earlier. Like a lot of guys, not a lot of guys, I don't think, but there are guys who it's like, this is all I know. And they think to themselves, I can't do anything else. And I just gotta keep grinding, keep grinding as long as I can because this only lasts a certain amount of time. But but those years, it's it's so it's so tough. It's so tough and it's uh, creates such a uh, an unhealthy relationship with the game, right? An unhealthy um, like mindset to have. And I think that um, having programs like this, like what we're doing with the Rangers, not only can we like provide help with somebody if, if they need some sort of help or whatever, but um, I'll like letting them listen to kind of our stories, our journeys. And like, neither of us played pro hockey. Um, we, I think we were both like average players in the OHL, but we both kind of like you, you found, you kind of knew what you wanted to do, found your, found your purpose and I'm doing, and are doing it now. And then I kind of didn't know what I was going to do, went to school and then figured out what I wanted to do. And it, it took different amounts of time, different path. But uh, the point is that like, we there's so many resources available and there's so many things that I think both of us know now that we wish we knew back then that we can help with like how do I work a conference call things like that <laughs> and things like when like like I think we, we were talking about earlier like just these real life like job scenarios networking meeting people like out like provide if somebody says hey I'm really interested in going to law school on the team like whenever I'm done playing hockey it's like okay like Anyone know a lawyer? Like, let's see if we can connect this person with something that they're interested in and make them feel good about themselves. Let them know kind of, oh, these are the steps you should take. Like those kind of resources. And I think that that's a little bit lacking right now in um, junior hockey as a whole, where um, there's an element of preparing kids for the next step in their life with the kind of lessons they learn, trials, tribulations, that kind of thing. But the concrete steps, I don't think are necessarily being taken um, to, if somebody expresses interest in something or, um, I think it's more so like really offering these things. I know that when I was playing, if somebody was like, oh, like we're like have an option to like go to a law firm and meet some lawyers and learn about that, I'd be like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't really want to do that. Um, like, I'm not going to voluntarily ask the organization to put that mm-hmm. together just for me. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if it's presented as like an opportunity to meet, um, kind of see how this works, I think I'd be much more inclined to do that. So I think providing uh, players with opportunities like that to kind of grow uh, and and learn and understand what, like, hey, if I'm not playing pro, what does my next step look like? And I think um, one of my problems was I didn't know what that next step looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I had a better idea about what what it is, I think I'd feel a little bit better about myself after I stopped playing. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a tough love comment that I'm going to say. It was it, I was actually, with this summer, golfing with... Uh, Ryan Murphy, Mike Cadenacci, mm. Ben Thompson, Julian Melchioria, we were together a little bit here and it was awesome to get together. And one of the things we have, Kat said was, you know, if you think about how much time we put into hockey to be, to be quite good at a, at a craft, said other people in the world are doing the exact same thing for accounting and yeah. medicine and science and AI and computer science and all these different crafts, people are doing the exact same thing. So when we leave the hockey world, Often I think there's this expectation that we can just jump into something else and walk into a nice Mm -hmm. salary and walk into knowing everything about what we need to know. And I don't know where this falls into things, but I think it's a really important conversation when it comes to 
scheduling the year from a whether it's hockey whatever sport it is or even just another job to give yourself a view of other things in life mm -hmm. and experience with other things because if you say you put an hour a couple hours a month while you're playing hockey into learning about law or medicine or science or music or construction or electricity whatever it is you you're now putting a little bit of time into something that you could do at some point in your life instead of leaving the game and having no idea what to do mm -hmm. and what you're interested in so I think that's just kind of a stark reminder of, hey, we're risking a lot. What if we gave ourselves just that little bit of insurance that, hey, if this doesn't work, geez, I'm hearing my, I hear my mom talking right now <laughs> to me, to little Ben growing up as I'm saying this, it's scary. Um, but what if that was the approach we took? It doesn't take, trust me, three days off from the, of the month to go do something taken away from systems or skills is not going to make or break their, anyone's career. No. Uh, but I think that's, that's a stark reminder of, okay, there's other people in this competitive world putting this amount of focus into something that I may apply for one day. So mm -hmm. who's that employer going to take or how's that business going to work, right? So I think it's just, again, a little bit of tough love, a realization. It was really um, uh, interesting for Kat to, to bring that up. And I've, I've thought about it ever since. I think it's so true. And here I am obsessed with psychology and philosophy and trying to make up for lost time now which i wish which i wish i was doing a little earlier so. yeah i think that's what i think the same thing right i wish like when i was playing i was more involved with like like everything like i just wish i was like more like not so hockey focused like what an opportunity to meet countless people i mean you have like an element of power with like if you wanted to get more involved with things like you have every opportunity to do so because they would always be like yes to a ranger like hey i want to help out with the fundraiser or this or that and the answer would like almost always be yes as long as the time permitting um but you just kind of don't really do that like that much right you just get so engrossed in like this hockey bubble and um i know sometimes i got like feeling sorry for myself too right it's like oh my gosh woe is me like it's mm -hmm. like i'm playing hockey it's pretty fun yeah. like um but it's it's tough to get out of that and and i i just wish looking back on it that i really did take advantage of my time playing and kind of look at that next step or maybe not even the next step but just new experiences and learning something new i mean i feel like when i played i kind of just um stopped learning for a little bit i think this is why it's so valuable what you're doing with with young athletes and the narrative you're you're spreading is that okay if the team doesn't put you into the these life experiences outside of hockey well let's take some ownership let's take mm -hmm. some accountability and responsibility for becoming the best person we can be we're gonna there'll be enough coaches and enough ice time to become the best hockey player we can be but let's take on this onus this responsibility to become the most well-rounded best person we can be and that's part of the conversation too you're not going to make every sporting organization run how we think it should be run. Right, yeah. Although a lot of people agree with us, I don't think you'll you'll have that. So it's it's the conversation of, okay, let's talk to the athlete as an individual then from a grassroots bottom-up mm -hmm. approach and say, you take some ownership. I think that's, that's what needs to happen. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I agree with it through and through. And I think in relation to my own story, I was lucky enough to have my mom and dad, but also my experience led me out to to kind of force during my time off from the game to to find other aspirations, other interests. And then when I came back, the support I was I was welcomed with uh, was vital to me being to me even sitting here on mm -hmm. this chair. And that said, when I when I did decide to leave, I was empowered that much more by this community. It was to 
I get chills just thinking about my last game. It was Max Ifrady actually that that said, of all people, <laughs> <laughs> he said, you have to do a lap of the rink. You have to with what you've done. And he said this, I had no plan. I knew it was my last game. I had no plan at all. I didn't even think of this. I'm about to skate off the ice and Max grabs me and goes, hey, Fennels, you got to do a lap of the rink. The fans want you to do it. I'm like, no, they don't. And he said, yes, you have to do it. And so I, I did. I did a lap up against the, like right up against the boards mm -hmm. the whole time. Uh, full lap of the rink, slow, uh, was not expecting this. And the entire arena stuck around and they were on their feet cheering uh, as I did a lap of the ice. And it was, again, I won't even be able to articulate that, that experience other than, again, it was this community at my back giving me the best send off I could ever have to this new journey that I was going to embark mm -hmm. on, which is now what I'm doing today. So that was this, this organization, I, like I said, from the night in the hospital, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be where I am today at all in, in any way if it wasn't for this community and every single person involved and, and all the people in the community outside of the Rangers themselves, the, the fans that support the team, which I think are a part of the team anyways, yeah. wouldn't be here. And I think for those that may be watching this that, that did support me and did maybe put in their two cents or tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, I wish you the best with everything. Or, or even still today, now that I'm five, six years removed from the game, people in the community continuing to say, Hey, I love your story. I love what you've done. Mm -hmm. um, you're the reason I'm able to do what I'm, I'm doing today. And that is to work on the stuff we talked about is try and increase the behavioral health and, and positive mental health in as many people as possible. I have this little program called Heroic Minds, which people can look into if they so choose, if they're mm -hmm. curious. But all of this has really stemmed from this, what I would call a heroic journey that I was on during my time with, with the Rangers. Little did I know that's what it was going to lead to. As we know, I yeah. had no idea where I was going to go. But um, to conclude on my, my, to conclude on my end, um, I can't thank this community enough. It's mm -hmm. why I've stuck around that's why I'm sitting here today. So, so thank you to anyone watching. Yeah, absolutely. And some people might not remember, but that was also my last game as a Kitchener Ranger when Ben's last game was. I didn't play at all the next season. And um, you're in you're on my wall in my house, by the way, because I have that picture. And you're on the you're in the circle oh, too. Oh, so, well, yeah. look at that, eh? Yeah. Um, but I, I remember that. I, you know what's actually funny? So my first um, away game in the OHL. I was 16 years old. Jack Campbell was away. Um, and it was Friday night at the odd, uh, and it was your first game back from your injury. Um, and I remember being in the dressing room and, and I think that you were announcing the starting lineup and I've never heard an arena louder in my entire life. And I remember I cause I was just like, I was like, what's going on out there? <laughs> and some guys told me and I was like, oh my gosh, like, um, what a, what a crazy like journey you had like it, it really is like that hero's journey that you talk about where um so many struggles hardships and just like i don't know how you did just taking everything in stride and just like channeling all your energy to make such positive change in people's lives and it's it's very admirable and i admired you um as a leader when you were the captain i continue to do today with your heroic minds i mean i see you all over socials and stuff like that Ron McLean's wearing your wearing your gear and stuff I'm like oh it's pretty cool, um, but yeah. So I, I just wanted to say that before we end. I appreciate that. Um, I really do. But yeah, no. I so so I in in a way I I got to see the beginning and the end of I mean, just that little chapter of of your 
of your journey through the OHL. Um, but but yeah, it, the the journeys are are very interesting, tumultuous. Um, uh, well, I guess what I'm doing now is I started a company called Game Changers. It's um, kind of trying to empower youth athletes in a grassroots level. Um, I think we don't have enough programs for um, young hockey players and minor hockey minor hockey teams. Um, and I'm super passionate about trying to provide something that I wish I had um, for these kids to allow them to kind of be leaders, empower them to be uh, change makers in their own communities. So regardless of what that community looks like, uh, whether that be a team, whether that be their home, their school, their classroom, um, other sports, um, just giving people resources in order to make the best decisions for them. Uh, and I think that's so important, like it, it allowing, um, you can't really just expect people to make the right choices. There has to be some kind of like guiding or some kind of like, um, like direction to make these proper decisions that'll benefit them and benefit the group at large. And I think a lot of times we just expect kids to know what's right and what's wrong. It's like, well, they're only going to know what we've taught them. So let's try to teach them at an early age. Uh, let's reinforce that over the years so that when they are um, 14, 15, 16, and there's more serious situations that um, occur, they can make the right decision for themselves. And that's that's super important. I think sports is a great vehicle to kind of uh, give this a platform because there is such camaraderie and buy-in. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's it's just something that I'm super passionate about. So yeah, if you, you can visit my website at www.teamgamechange.com. Uh, I guess right now, COVID, so we're not really doing any in-person workshops. Uh, but I'd love, if there's any issues or anything, you can come chat with me, send me an email, uh, talk about anything, really. I just kind of, just like what we talked about for the past, what, 45 minutes. Yeah. I will I say, in, in relating it to my own story and what you're doing today, it was no different than the conversations I talked about that I had with, with Troy and with yeah. uh, Van Ryan. I can also go into those same examples with Macker or with Spotter mm -hmm. or Fixie, other coaches we had, that they were catalytical moments in my career, but then ultimately in life, because hockey was such a big part of it, that those conversations I had that were about real life and not just hockey and the, the life lessons I did learn were, again, I would use the word catalytical moment and you're, you are going to be and continue to be a catalyst of, of positive change for these kids. I, we look back and think about yeah. the people that left messages in our lives that made us who we are today. And those people are do, did what you do and are planning to continue to do. So I appreciate, I appreciate what you're that, doing yeah. and it's, it's, it's exciting seeing where, where this is all going for yeah, you. Yeah, so. it's exciting. It's, it's just, it's like, we haven't like sat down and talked in five years, four or five years. And it's just, it, it's so interesting to kind of just like reconvene all this time later. Um, it doesn't really feel like that much time has passed no. to be honest. Yeah. Um, and just to see where like, um, where we both kind of went and how like we took these like different paths, but ended up like back here at the same place. It just, it, it, these things are always so interesting to me. And I, yeah. I always say once you're part of like the hockey community, like even if you lose touch, you're never really like gone kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If you ever need anything or or ever uh, are struggling with something, there's always people who are willing to help. And I always thought of you as one of those people. So, Likewise, yeah. Yeah. it goes back to one of those benefits that when you are out and maybe having a tough time transitioning, right. you can look back and, and remember. So absolutely. Yeah, 
happy to once have been a ranger. I'd go back and do it again yeah. 10 times over if I could. <laughs> I guess we're kind of doing that now. Yeah, true, true. Exactly. As long as, yeah. I, can, as I can get some, from co some coffee from Bearcat, I'll be happy. <laughs> exactly. Free bagels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Cool.